What up, world? <laughs> <laughs> that was your new intro. Yeah. Welcome to Killers and Coffee. We are part of the Unity Podcast Network. Make sure to like and follow us on Twitter at UnityPodNet, on Facebook at Unity Network 41, on Instagram at Unity Podcast, and our YouTube channel. While you're at it, make sure to visit our website at www.unitypodcastnetwork.com. My name is Jess. And my name is Jess. And we're cousins and we love murder. Murder's the best. It's not weird. (laughs) I mean, if there wasn't murder, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I guess. In a gruesome way to put it. (laughs) We're doing an extra disclaimer again this week because this whole story's fucked up. There's rape, there's torture, there's technically child molestation, there's cannibalism. It's just a whole bag of fuck. (laughs) But before we do that, let's get into... Well, not before we do that. Before we get into it, let's get into our coffee this week. I hear yours is good. Um, I wouldn't say it's good, but it's. I cheated this week and went to Dunkin'. I got myself a large iced coffee with brown sugar cinnamon swirl, cream and sugar. The last time I got the brown sugar cinnamon... I didn't like it like I used to like it, but I usually, sometimes I don't get sugar in my iced coffees if I get extra swirl, and it wasn't that good, so I got sugar this time. Um, I still don't like it as much as I used to. <laughs> I'll stick to butter pecan. The brown sugar cinnamon is, is my favorite. But... Have you ever had butter pecan? No, I don't really like that flavor in general. Okay, well, listen to me. The next time you go to Dunkin', you're going to get butter pecan. Okay, I'm gonna get it. If you don't like it, I was I was just gonna say I'm gonna get it, and then if I don't like it, I'm gonna bring it to you. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> like I'll pay you for it. <laughs> so, well, what's exciting is I have my Java sock on my cup. Does it have lumps in it? A lump, yeah, and one lump. lump. <laughs> one lump or two just one lump and by lump we mean that little nubby that 32 ounce cups have. <laughs> not, not even a nubby <laughs> what is it's like what a would ridge you call a it's like it's like a ridge just a bend a in the fabric yeah it's a brim <laughs> a nubby a lump call it what you will what are you drinking today <laughs> i just have a regular dark roast coffee hot hots for business right Oh, we're doing business. And some lovely amaretto creamer that you gifted oh, me. You're welcome. <laughs> and it's delicious. I'm glad you're enjoying it. What's your mug for this evening? Oh, it's a nightmare before Christmas one. So what what you have told me throughout these weeks now is you have a bunch of nightmare before Christmas mugs, mm-hmm. flyers mugs, and Harry Potter mugs. Yes. And Tervises. Yes. <laughs> Well, I have... I and have mana cups. Every... Yes. <laughs> a lot of mana. I mean, I probably have 20 to 25 mugs. I need to see your... Like, you need to send me a picture yeah. of your, like, cup cabinet. <laughs> They're not even all out. There's not a cup cabinet. There's a cup cabinet, a cup rack, 
another cup rack, and then three cup shelves. I've literally been to your place and I don't remember yeah. seeing. They're, they're <laughs> everywhere. And then there's some that are not even out because there's just too many. Oh my god. But yeah, my mugs are mostly Harry Potter and Nightmare Before Christmas. And um, all my vessels are just weird. Pickle jars. Pickle. <laughs> no pickle jar yet. <laughs> so, coffee. We're kind of semi-boring today. We're not talking 15 minutes of coffee this week like it's, we did the last yeah, two weeks. Because we, well, I mean, we need to get into this because this may it's or may so not long. be a long episode. Um, we are doing Donald Henry Gaskins, aka Pee Wee, aka the meanest man in America. I personally, I don't think I've heard of him until you mentioned it. I mean, now um, I know everything all about him. <laughs> yeah, I have neither. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know that I would would dub him the meanest man in America in America. He gave himself that nickname. Um from what I read. I mean and he's he's pretty horrible, but yeah. I feel like I have seen and heard worse. But mean the last thing that that he dubs himself this is pretty fucked up. If 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 you have the same information as I do. <laughs> but we'll get there, but it's all the way at the end. <laughs> We'll see. Anywho, Gaskins operated in South Carolina in 1969 and 1975, and he had one murder in 1982. He claims to have murdered over 100 people, even though there were not 100 bodies. He, he used rape, sodomy, torture, mutilation, and even cannibalism. Which, if you're not from this planet, that's consuming humans. Which is one thing that that just grosses me out. Yeah, I can't imagine. Most of his victims were hitchhikers. Some people he knew, but that was a whole other category of murders to him. Mm -hmm. He was eventually executed by a lecture chair on September 6, 1991. Starting with his birth and his childhood... 1933, another Pisces. That's two weeks in a row. I actually didn't have to look it up because I remembered that from last week. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there were the ones that we assume are going to be worse are not. Are not, I mean, not as frequent. Who would have thought that Pisces were, you know, in the running for worst people out there? (laughs) Well, I mean, we didn't. We only really started doing this. I'm gonna start like a a spreadsheet, tally them up. Yeah, as we go. Yeah, do it. So, he was born in Manning, South Carolina. He was only four pounds at birth. He was nicknamed Junior and Pee Wee. He was the son of Yulia, who went by Molly, Parrot, Parrot. There's two T's, so I want to say Parrot. But my computer read to me parrot. I don't know. <laughs> she was 14 when she gave birth. Molly dropped out of school at age 12 to help her family pick cotton and plant tobacco. Gaskin's father was Molly's older, wealthy neighbor who doesn't have a first name, apparently. Because all I found was Mr. Gaskins. I didn't find anything. Really? No. I found... So I found a little bit... In one of the books, it was a Mr. Gaskins who paid her a dollar every time they had sex. 
After she became pregnant, Gaskins paid her $10 a month and let her live in a three-room shack on his land with their child. So that's all I really know. That's all basically what I saw. Everyone, including his own mother, called him Pee-wee because he was so small. Gaskins didn't even know his real name until his first court appearance. Yeah. Molly frequently left Gaskins home alone, and at age one, Gaskins drank a bottle of kerosene, which resulted in seizures until he was three years old. Gaskins grew up with a slew of stepfathers, often men who would physically and sexually abuse him. When he was old enough to go to school, Gaskins was teased by the other kids for his size and his nickname. Teachers blamed him for his negative interactions with the other kids and would beat him as well. Gaskins quit school at 11. He later stated that he would hide in the woods during school hours to avoid going. So he didn't officially drop out, but I don't think you can drop out of school at age 11. But... I, I heard that it was like popular, but not popular, but like more accepted and like common back then for kids to not finish school. Yeah. To like work. Mm-hmm. Obviously people back then were not it was more common to not have money. So, yeah. like, kids became of age to, like, be able to work. It was That was the priority over going to school. Yeah, because they needed to make money somehow. And that was put their young children to work. He made that decision himself. Yeah. So, when Gaskins was 10, Molly married Hinnant Hannah... That's a person's name, who was also abusive to Gaskins. They had four children together, two sons and two daughters. At age 12, Gaskins started working at a mechanic shop and was known around town to be good at fixing things. When Hannah found out, he forced Gaskins to quit the job to work on the cotton and tobacco fields. At night, he would sneak away to work on cars for extra money. At 13, we meet the Trouble Trio. Definitely something. Uh huh. And this is pretty much where his, you know, when we talk about influenced backgrounds, this this is this is it right here. <laughs> this is where it starts. I mean, he definitely had a rough upbringing. Yeah, like being abused and yeah. But apparently, these kids did too. Mm-hmm. Like they all thought these things they did were good ideas. Yeah. At age 13, Gaskins meets Danny Smith and Henry Marsh at the auto garage, who were fellow dropouts. They refer to themselves as the Trouble Trio. They used a shack in the woods to meet up and hide out. They committed crimes together. They started by stealing candy and cigarettes from vending machines. They moved on to peeping in the women's bathroom at a local church. And it escalated to breaking into homes with the help of Danny's father, which I don't understand. Yeah. But more than one source told me that Danny's father helped them. So I don't know how, I don't know why, but he did it. The boys would sell the items they stole at yard sales. They bought a car with the money they made and drove to other towns to have sex with sex workers. At age 13, Mm -hmm. I just realized, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they would also rape younger boys and threaten them if they told anybody. They eventually grew, quote, bored of sexually assaulting boys and wanted to know what it would be like to, quote, have sex with a virgin. 
the trio decided to attack Henry's 13-year-old sister, Julie. They gang-raped her several times, and she told her mother what had happened. The boys were beaten for their actions against Julie, but no criminal punishment had been given. No, no criminal punishment. And that's a little boys, that's not a boys will be boys situation there. Not in the least. And that's never brought up again. No. In in everything that he did and just why. Yeah. So after the Marsh and Smith families moved away to separate the boys, Gaskins continued on his path of crime. In 1948, Gaskins met a boy named Walt, who was essentially his new partner in crime. He and Walt began breaking into homes, stealing and selling the stolen items like he did with the Trouble Trio. The pair would also steal, repair, repaint, and sell cars. This is something that he winds up doing his whole life, essentially, until he's apprehended. His whole life was just shady. Yeah. He he never had, like, a real job, from Mm -hmm. what I understand. It was just selling stolen things and fraud and getting paid to kill people was how he made a living what i realized when i was doing my research is that so far this has been the longest like precursor to his murders than any mm-hmm. other case we've done so far yeah there's a lot of stuff before before he's yeah the first one yeah if you think about it it makes more sense as to why he turned out the way he did Mm -hmm. like everything led up to it in like a natural path and not just like i woke up one day and decided to kill somebody yeah i mean does that that doesn't happen seems like to some people it does (laughs) there's always a reason So, moving on, in 1949, at age 16, Gaskins and Walt broke into a home when they were interrupted by a fellow 16-year-old girl, I just sounded like a robot, (laughs) who attacked Gaskins with an axe. Walt got away, and Gaskins wrestled the axe away from the girl and attacked her with it. He believed she was dead and continued to burglarize the home. But the girl survived and identified Gaskins. Gaskins was arrested and charged with assault with a deadly weapon and intent to kill. At his trial the following year, 1950, Gaskins heard his full name for the first time ever. He only knew his name to be Pee-wee. That's How interesting. How find out who he was if he didn't even know his real name? I mean... Did they do, like, fingerprinting back then? Like, I don't, I did mean, his mom come and claim him? Like, I wonder if if there was, like, a sketch or something. I'm like, oh, that's that person. Pee-wee Gaskins. And then they get his, <laughs> like, birth things. Certificates. <laughs> his birth things. I don't know. It's a mystery. But that's interesting that he never knew his real name yeah. until until he was 16. Or 17, rather. But anywho, he was found guilty and sent to the South Carolina Industrial School for Boys in Florence. He was instantly made fun of for his nickname and his size, much like his school. On his first day, he met a boy known as Boss Poss, a bully. Poss made Gaskins his, quote, prison sweetheart. You can already just assume what that means. Yeah. 
He had to report to Poss's bed every night or else. He failed to meet Poss in his room the very first night, and after that, Gaskins was gang raped by Poss and 20 other boys. After this, he accepted his role as Poss's sweetheart, and Poss raped and sodomized Gaskins every night. Poss would also rent out Gaskins to other boys and guards so he could get cigarettes. And guards, that's nice. Yeah. A year later, Gaskins and four other boys who were regularly raped by Poss and his followers escaped the school and hid out in nearby woods. This would not be his only escape, everybody. <laughs> they were found the next day by police. Gaskins escaped again when the police weren't looking and ran straight to his old hideout, but was caught two days later. After he was caught, he was punished with 30 days of lashes, three months hard labor, and three months of solitary confinement. When he was released from solitary, he was beaten by the guards and Poss began raping him again, so he escaped yet again and sought refuge at his aunt's house, who was Molly's sister. His aunt was the only one who showed him love, and he helped around the house for three months until his aunt convinced him to turn himself in because she didn't want him to live his life on the run, which is also a recurring theme. The warden where, of the school- Where was his- where was- his aunt like when he was growing up i don't know like did did she not see like hey how <laughs> molly treated his her kids and like that they all had really bad lives and were abused and mm, whatever guess like, not. Guess she didn't love them that much and then. apparently like close enough to the area if she's so close yeah. to his uh old hideout so the warrant of the school promised leniency if he turned himself in, but lied about it, naturally. When he returned, he was beaten for no apparent reason by the guards and was continued to get raped by Boss Boss. One day, Gaskins was being beaten by a guard and he punched the guard in the face and the nuggets. That's a technical term. After this assault, Gaskins was sent to a mental hospital for evaluation. After getting examined, he was deemed sane enough to go back to the school, but his appendix burst, and he had to have emergency surgery. After surgery, he was sent back to the school and was given light duty for three months, but once that was up and he recovered, he was regularly beaten by the guards and raped by Poss again. Gaskins escaped for the third time. What kind of school is this that like kids are just escaping know. three it's, times? It doesn't sound like a school. It sounds like a prison. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a reform school, so it's essentially a prison for children. They shouldn't call it a school, though. Yeah. It's not a school. It's like juvenile. Yeah. Prison. Maybe maybe they make them learn. That's why they call it a school. No, because he wasn't kids. learning anything there, as Except... his future will indicate. He well, yeah, learn he does learn a lot. How to be a horrible person. Exactly. <laughs> so... His third escape was, like, right before his 18th birthday, which is when he was supposed to be released. Which, why bother at this point? Mm-hmm. He started working at a carnival and met a fellow carny named Mary, who was 13, and he married her. Which is another recurring theme in this story. Yeah. Gaskins turned himself in again because he didn't want him and his young bride to live on the run. How is this girl getting married at age 13? no idea why any of these people are able to do any of these things (laughs) ever (laughs) in 1951 on his 18th birthday he was released for good and returned to Mary 
after his release from reform, as we're now deciding, quote unquote, air quote, school, <laughs> Gaskins and Mary moved in with Mary's family and he got a job at a construction site and doing car repairs. When Mary became pregnant, they moved to Georgetown, South Carolina, where Gaskins got a government contract job logging cypress trees in the swamp. What a very random job. A few months later, Gaskins' friend from a form school named Slick, red flag number one, offered him a job. This was his friend? Like, where was his friends when all that stuff was happening to him? Probably also getting raped. I really thought that he just didn't have any friends. There's a lot of friends that that he's got that we'll find. Oh, those are not good friends. No, his friends are terrible. So Slick offered him a job on a tobacco farm, a three-bedroom house, and a truck in Johnsonville, South Carolina. On April 17, 1952, Gaskin's daughter Shirley was born. Random little fact, but it was in between. So Gaskins and Slick became involved in an insurance fraud scam where they were paid by farmers to burn down their barns to collect insurance money. Slick was eventually arrested for arson, but did not turn Gaskins in. There's a good friend right there. (laughs) He's alright. He's alright. He's alright, Slick. As far as you can get, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. When Slick was arrested, the new manager of the farm allowed the Gaskins family to stay in the house. The owner's daughter knew that Gaskins was involved in the barns burning and threatened to turn him into the police. But guess what? Gaskins didn't like that. So in a rage, he split the girl's head open with a hammer to shut her up and fled. That wasn't very nice. No, he's not very nice. He's the meanest man in America. (laughs) He is the meanest man in America. (laughs) She didn't die, miraculously, and Gaskins was caught by police a few days later. He was charged with assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to inflict bodily harm. In 1953, at 20 years old, Gaskins was sentenced to five years at the South Carolina State Penitentiary in Columbia. He earned himself an additional year for calling the judge a son of a bitch. Nice. <laughs> That's so funny to me. Like, I mean, you know, at least there's some... I don't know. Never mind. There's no silver lining. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's just funny. Like, you get a whole year in prison for calling the judge a son of a bitch. <laughs> Good God. So, in South Carolina State Penitentiary, he was first, at first, he was the sweetheart again, to a man named Hazel Brazil, a.k.a. Author. Not Arthur, author. <laughs> like, an author writes a book. After the six m- in this, The names in this great. one are really interesting. They're great. Everybody's names. Author, slick boss boss or whatever (laughs) after six months Gaskins decided he wanted to be in charge and be respected by the other inmates I guess he was sick of being raped Mm -hmm. he decided it's it's horrible that he decides to be the person doing it but I guess at what point do you decide I've had enough of this right but I did see that (laughs) after he asserts his dominance he is given a sweetheart but his sweethearts are given he's a little he goes easy on them because he went through it 
guess that's nice. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was supposed to be the meanest man in America, not the nicest man in America. <laughs> so he decided that to prove himself, he had to kill the most powerful man in the prison, and that person was Arthur. He managed to slit Arthur's throat and made it look like self-defense. He only earned a few months in solitary confinement and an additional three years for this murder. I, I just, I don't understand that. Like, self-defense? I guess, but... Manslaughter? I mean, this whole thing is stupid. Like, Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's, very, it's a very interesting case, though, I will say. I mean, by interesting, I mean, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. When he was released from solitary, he was finally seen as someone not to mess with, and the others called him a power man. In 1955, Gaskins learned that Mary wanted to divorce him and decided to escape from prison yet again by hiding in a garbage barrel. He found himself at the peppermint gas station where his cousin David worked. Gaskins found the keys in the ignition of his cousin's 1950 Pontiac, so he stole it. He was unable to save his marriage, and Mary filed for divorce. But Gaskins drove. Got a clue. Because she's she's old now, you know. <laughs> How old is she at this point? So it's 1955, 51 or 50. I think they met in 1950, and she was 13. So, 18? She's 18 now? She's she's smart. (laughs) She's an adult. (laughs) Good God. So Gaskins drove to Lake Wales, Florida and joined a carnival. Another carnival. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He met 19-year-old Junie Alice Holden, who he married, shortly after, even though his divorce from Mary wasn't finalized. They were only married for two weeks. How is that even legal? I don't know. This is South Carolina I wonder, in the 50s. I was going to say, I wonder if these are, like, real marriages. Like, when they talk about this kind of yeah. stuff. In, in any of these cases, like, at that time. Well, I mean, you got a 13-year-old like, getting married. Yeah, like, I, I just wonder how legal it actually is, or if they're just... Like, you're my wife now, yeah. Mary. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I paid your father a goat, now you're mine. Like, <laughs> Because this is just, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. So after the two-week marriage, Gaskins met another carny, a contortionist named Betty Gates, Mm. and he was infatuated with her. Betty told Gaskins that they needed to bail her brother out of jail in Tennessee. But I'm, I'm learning that it wasn't really bailing her brother out, it was just like giving him money in prison. The two drove there and booked a hotel. Betty gave Gaskins a carton of cigarettes and money, and Gaskins went to the jail on her behalf. When he returned to the hotel, Betty and his cousin's car were gone. Wait, wait, hold on. He went to a different prison to give a prisoner <laughs> cigarettes, but when he was an escape. He's a convict. fugitive. Yeah. Like, how did they? Did they not like? I mean, this wasn't how far Tennessee is not even really that far away from South Carolina. No. But, like, did they not have any kind of, like, idea of what was going on? Dude, I literally have no idea. You just blew my mind. 
goodness. Because I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, like, I, he was not scared to go into a prison. Like, they were going to recognize him. I guess he was just so enamored with not contortionist. to each other? And, like, probably like not, they, not. Probably not between you know. states. <laughs> I guess not. I literally don't know. I wish I did. I wish I had the answer for you to make this podcast a little more professional. But... <laughs> I'm not a cop. <laughs> so Betty stole the car. Police apprehended Gaskins when Betty tipped them off that there was a weapon in the cigarette carton that her brother had used to escape. But it turned out that Betty's brother was actually her husband who escaped from jail using a razor that Betty had hidden in the carton of cigarettes. Jeez. That's like a soap opera. <laughs> Gaskins was sentenced to nine months for aiding in the escape of Betty's husband. And because driving a stolen car across state lines is a federal crime, he was sentenced to three years in federal prison in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, and then what happened to the time that he was... Like, when he got arrested Mm -hmm. for stealing, for, you know, whatever, doing this? Like, were they not like, oh, hey, like, you were arrested and sentenced for this, but, like, you were already supposed to be in jail. He did have to finish his sentence. Oh, I believe. Yeah, I should have put that in there, but I did. I do remember reading that. So he was sentenced to the nine months, and I think the nine months may have been tacked onto his remaining things. I I feel like it just is all like it's confusing. Yeah, it's like smushing together like when he's how much time he has when Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be there when he's supposed to be out because he keeps escaping you never really know (laughs) so yeah i mean i feel like if i took a little more time to to research these cases instead of just the day of recording i could probably find this stuff out but this is what i got all right (laughs) i mean it's long there's a lot. Yeah. I <laughs> but, mean, I don't think every little detail like that is really going to make any difference to right. the overall gist of the story, which is right. it's a mess. He, it's a oh, mess. yeah. So, moving on to the f- federal prison. While in federal prison, Gaskins met and became friends with Frank Costello, who's the godfather of the Genovese crime family. He was in prison for tax evasion. I don't really know why I had this in here, but it's interesting to me. Costello gave Gaskins the nickname Little Hatchet Man. I mean, it's better than Pee Wee. Yeah. And it's a little lighter than the meanest man in America. In 1961, at age 28, Gaskins was released from prison and moved in with his cousin Marvin. He went back to work in the tobacco fields or he was a mechanic. I saw both. Maybe he did both. I don't know. Then he met and married his third wife, 18-year-old Jerry yes. Dolores. I think it was... Was it Jerry Brudos that kept getting married? And we were like, uh, why do, do these women, like... I think he was only married all twice. All these women. It was someone that kept getting married. But, like, why? Just, I know, like, I'm thinking of John Wayne Gacy. He sounds he was like a horrible twice. person. Yeah. Well, apparently, women to marry apparently him? he was charming, but he was oh, short. Like, weird. who wants that? Yeah, right. He was like five four. 
that's not tall enough. It's not. Not at all. Give me six feet or nothing. I mean, these were all... He liked carnival people, so maybe they were midgets. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Well, I don't think Jerry Dolores was a carny. No. Just a stupid so person. Just a regular person. <laughs> regular schmegular person. So, on the tobacco fields, or whatever he was doing, he wasn't making enough money, so he returned to his life of robbing houses and reselling the stolen goods. This is also a recurring job that he would do. In September 1962, Gaskins attacked 12-year-old Patsy, who lived near his mother and stepfather. He molested and raped the 12-year-old girl. He was arrested and charged with statutory rape and carnal knowledge of a child. Another arrest. Imagine that. Yeah. And guess what he does? He fucking escapes. <laughs> While waiting for prosecution, a deputy removed his handcuffs. Someone should have Good for you, deputy. Yeah, for real. I was just thinking that, actually. Donald Henry Houdini Gaskin. Mm-hmm. Right. Not Harry, Henry. I think I think they're actually like the same name. Like I think like like Prince Harry, I think his real name is Henry. Really? It's like one of those Jack John things where it's not really a nickname or like a short name. It's just like, like if your name is John, you can go by Jack. If your name is yeah. Henry, you can go by Harry. I was makes just, sense. I, I mean, I guess I was just <laughs> when I said that I was my first thought was like, was Houdini even like would that Around even have yet? been yeah been a nickname that he could have used because it was that before or after his time? But Houdini was died in 1926 so is that just fucking information that you carry around with you i know i just looked it up oh um so he would have been a known thing yeah when gaskins was alive so he could have been should have called him houdini missed opportunity (laughs) if you ask me they don't ask us for our expertise in nicknaming criminals well they should So, anywho, <laughs> some stupid deputy removed his handcuffs, Gaskins escaped by jumping out of a window. He stole a sheriff's car and drove to his mother's house, stole some money, drove to Prospect, South Carolina, dumped the car, and walked to Dillion, South Carolina? Never heard of it. Gaskins stole another car and drove to Pembroke, North Carolina, where he would meet and marry another person oh, who's 17 goodness. years old named Lenny Oxendine. I literally don't know what happened to Jerry. He was probably now. still married to her because the I marriages so, are all yeah. illegitimate. So yes. He, they just marry whoever they want whenever they want. Yes. So after three months, this fourth marriage of Gaskins ended. After Gaskins told Lenny he was going to the store, but he never came back. He is the, the, the godfather the of ghosting. Right, yes. <laughs> the OG ghoster. Like, uh, I'll be back. Another nickname. <laughs> I have to go get some milk, honey. I'll be back. This guy, he, so he basically escaped marriage, too. <laughs> oh my god. Like, I'll be back, but not really. Oh god, this is this guy though. Like, what the? He's a winner. (laughs) So, when he left and like left Lenny, he contacted Jerry again. He was understandably still upset that he had molested a (laughs) twelve-year-old, but he somehow convinced her to join the carnival in Lake Wales, Florida. 
He's quite the charmer, I guess. Knows how to knows how to talk. I don't know. When they arrived, Gaskins found out that his former carnival contact, who was supposedly boss boss, apparently they were they became friends. I literally don't know. <laughs> he learned that Poss had taken his own life because he lost his wife and four kids in a fire. So this kind of backfired his plans and he couldn't join the carnival. And Jerry decided she didn't want to live life on the run. Again, somebody who doesn't want to live life on the run. So they headed back home. I have two different stories for what happens next if you're looking at my outline. They're similar. I prefer one over the other like one's more exciting than the other i'll read both though one story is while driving back to south carolina they were pulled over in georgia and gaskins fled from police after a tire blew out in the car and ran into a lake to hide ran into a lake this is this one how long we can hold our breath underwater right this one i prefer i prefer this one While driving back to South Carolina, Gaskins heard sirens while driving through Georgia and tried to flee from police and ended up driving the car into a lake, abandoning Jerry and fled. After Jerry took you back. But she didn't really take him back. She was just like, okay, let's go to the carnival and be carnies. And then she's like, ah, just kidding. And then this whole story is just so weird, man. It is. It's very weird. Very entertaining, but weird. And I feel like so much happens It's a, in such a short amount of <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Like, he's only... How old is he by this point? This is... 62-ish. Like, we have to stop yeah, trying to do math every single episode. He's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. We're older than him at this point. <laughs> and we're not making really fucking sad. decisions like this. <laughs> Our lives aren't messes. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, if our lives were this messy, we wouldn't be doing this up this uh, podcast, would we? <laughs> or would we? Yeah. From the eyes of the, <laughs> the escape artist. I don't know. So, <laughs> after abandoning Jerry, Gaskins got onto a freight train and eventually made it back to his fourth wife, Lenny, in North Carolina. Lenny was evidently not happy to see him and told him his face was all over the news. They're like, oh, you've been out getting milk this entire time? (laughs) I'm mad at you. (laughs) The news had called him a killer who had escaped police and his wife Jerry had been released with no charges. But he didn't even kill anybody by this point except for um, the author. Lenny called the police and Gaskins was arrested. Again. He was sent back to Florence, South Carolina, sentenced to six years for statutory rape and escape. And I did see that he was sentenced to six years for statutory rape because he had married Lenny, who was 17, but he also molested a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. So, which he still didn't serve time for. I feel like he didn't serve time for a lot of the things he actually did. (laughs) That people knew he did, but didn't tell anybody. And get this... So he was sent to Central Correctional Institute in Columbia, South Carolina, and did his whole power man thing again in this prison. But get this is the kicker here. This really blows my mind. He was paroled in 1968 and only served four out of six years of a sentence. 
He was paroled. How can this psychopath yeah. be eligible for parole? Yeah. Like, how can you... He escaped prison how many times? Yeah. He didn't finish serving some of his sentences, and he's eligible for parole? Yeah. I did see he was let out on good behavior, but, I mean... Where are you with the psychology part of this? So many things to indicate that he was just, like, not a good person, and, like, Mm -hmm. a repeat offender, and just didn't care. So, like, why even give him the chance to mm-hmm. do something again? They did. They did. They let him go. And the recidivism is real. There you go. So, well, actually, it's worse because this is when he starts killing people. During the summer of 1968, Gaskins described feeling troubled by a, quote, bothersome pain. That started in his testicles and traveled up his spine into his stomach and settled in his head behind his eyes like a migraine. Well, that's an interesting story. But do you know what this bothersome pain is? No. It's not a physical pain. It's a fucking voice in his head that told him to harm and even kill people. And like the feeling of wanting to murder somebody is what he called his bothersome pain. Isn't that ridiculous? (laughs) He referred to the voice in his head as the pain. There was a lot of... I mean, we'll find out later that he ended up doing a lot of interviews with journalists and things like that, which Mm. produced his... He he um, does have an autobiography. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there was so many quotes. Like, he was very adamant on people believing that he everything all the knowledge he got and all of the reasons for doing everything was like from a higher power Mm -hmm. and i don't it was never specified like i don't remember any of it being like godly or demonic or anything like that just it was almost like spiritual in nature like he's just being told how to live his life and what to do and what not to do and everything was going to be okay and he believed he was a good person and all this and i'm just like what like some of the things he said were just very out there so yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack he was clearly mental mm-hmm. like it's just it's it's i need more answers i think <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't, I don't want anything <laughs> else to do with it <laughs> i, I think know this is even already. worse than the toy box killer i think it is that's why, like, I was listening, I was re-listening to that audio because I fixed it, by the way. Okay. And I was re-listening to it, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, freaking Pee Wee Gaskins is worse than this, and I put an extra disclaimer on this. I'm gonna have to put an extra disclaimer on Gaskins as well, which is why I did. Yeah. Anywho, so this pain that he suffered... When he visited his first wife, Mary, and his daughter, Shirley, Shirley was now 17 at this point. Is that math correct? Yeah, I did the math, I think. Yeah, 68, yeah. And he's never seen her? I guess. I mean, he's been on the lam, like... (laughs) (laughs) So, if he was visiting Mary and Shirley, if the pain came, he'd have to leave because he didn't want to harm he didn't want to hurt them. Oh, so he actually had a conscience. For five seconds, yeah. Yeah. 
So when the pain came, Gaskins would then drive down the coastal highway that stretched from Myrtle Beach to Savannah, Georgia, which would be his future hunting ground. You know how often and how many times I have been in this area? I mean, not clearly not Watch the 60s, but... So, he later stated that, quote, It was like I was looking for something special on them coastal highways, only I didn't know what, end quote. He watched the hitchhikers and would fantasize about picking them up and torturing the girls, who he would have the opportunity to do whatever he wanted with. He claimed the only thing that stopped him from doing it, temporarily, was the thought of going back to prison. When he decided to act, he didn't murder the hitchhikers at first, but instead he asked them for sex and got particularly excited when they said no. In September 1969, Gaskins committed his first murder, considering the murder of Arthur does not count, apparently. Gaskins picked up a blonde hitchhiker named Angie in Pauly's Island, which I have been around. Really? Yeah. He asked, he asked her for sex and she laughed in his face which enraged him. He violently grabbed her and then beat her until she fell unconscious. Gaskins sodomized her, bit off her left nipple, and forced her to perform oral sex on him, assuming she regained consciousness at this point. He then stomped on her pubic bone and slid an eight-inch dagger into her rectum and pulled it until it sliced her vagina. Still alive, he dragged her to a swamp and attached weights on her to sink her. He watched her drowning as she slowly sank in the water. That's horrific. It is truly horrific. It's gruesome. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't like it. So, just six weeks after he murdered Angie, Gaskin struck again in October 1969. He picked up a hitchhiker named Daisy from Jacksonville, Florida, who was working in Myrtle Beach. Gaskins repeated the same acts on Daisy as he did to Angie. He tortured her, sodomized her, and raped her. He then bound her with chains and dumped her in the same swamp as Angie. Gaskins went looking for a new victim along the highway approximately every six weeks. He murdered both male and female hitchhikers and... He would refer to these as his, quote, coastal kills, which is his first category of murders. We'll get to the second. Gaskins claims to have 80 to 90 coastal kills from 1969 to 1975. But none of his coastal kills will have counted. In the end, he mostly said that he lost track of them because they were, quote, Hard to recall because they're mostly just a jumble of faces and bodies and memories. Yeah. Again, he's the meanest man in America. Devin. I mean, (laughs) I'm starting to believe it. Hmm. It only took 50 minutes. (laughs) You've convinced me with your storytelling. (laughs) I try. In 1970, kept up with a six-week method of coastal killing, but (laughs) experimented but experimented with different ways to murder and torture his victims. He used different weapons, different forms of rape, and even started cannibalizing some of his victims. So he didn't necessarily have a, a solid MO. No. It's just... Well, with, kind of... with Angie and Daisy, he does the same thing. 
yeah but like to move on so quickly yeah. to try something else like, so I don't even think yeah so it's it's I forget there's some psychologist who would this period of time because such a short period of time Gaskins wasn't considered a serial killer at this point or a spree killer he was like somewhere in between because of the short period of time in between these murders so it's a little uh a little nod to episode one peeps (laughs) so oh cannibalism just drink coffee bro you don't need to eat people Gaskins later told police that he would sometimes keep his victims alive for as long as he wanted and would sometimes make them watch him cannibalize on their severed parts while they were still alive. That's so disgusting. That's... That's... I don't even... I don't even know the word. Heinous. Disgusting. Evil. This is an evil man. An evil, evil man. (laughs) Gaskins preferred females, but still murdered boys as well. He killed two boys that he thought were women because they had long hair. He sodomized and tortured the boys and cannibalized their genitals. I I didn't know that it would get worse, but... It gets even worse. So, another... There's one now and one I have later in my notes Ann Colberson who was 16 is one of two coastal kills that Gaskins remembers by name. Gaskins picked up 16 year old Colberson near Myrtle Beach. He remembers her because he quote didn't have the urge at the time but didn't want to pass up a potential victim to feed his addiction end quote so this was just a kill to kill Yeah, because all the other ones were Ugh, the pain. I have to murder somebody. Because my pain. My bothersome pain. And this time, he didn't have that pain, but didn't want to pass up a victim. I hate this man. Almost like an addiction at that point. It really is. I mean, he literally said he needed to feed his addiction. Yeah. So, Gaskins tortured Culberson for four days before killing her with a hammer and dumbing her body in quicksand. Where the fuck is quicksand in right, South in Carolina? South Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> We're not in the middle of like the fucking Mojave Desert or whatever. Or in Sonic the Hedgehog world. I don't know, but the, I mean Green Hill Zone, I'm sorry. You I'm assuming you you referenced books. Yes. These are the kinds of things that become like he said, she said to me. Yeah. Like obviously because they are like later we'll find out that he supposedly confessed to a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff but like none of these cases none of these victims there was no evidence right so and by he said she said it's just gaskins what gaskins right. said that yeah just uh, sorry just i think a lot um, of a lot of the information that were in the books that i read were from his autobiography right but again like he's he's just claiming to have killed these right. people how much how much truth can you put behind a psychopath in prison that's telling stories to a journalist mm-hmm. that later writes a book? Like, I wouldn't believe it yeah. unless there was concrete evidence, like a body. So, 
I mean, we're we're taking it for what it is, which is what he said he did. Mm-hmm. But to me, when you say that you dumped her body in quicksand in the yeah. middle of South Carolina, <laughs> like how much can we actually believe that? <laughs> Where is the quicksand theory? Did he order quicksand off of Amazon <laughs> in right, two, day, two day shipping. We have to, we have to keep you alive. Yeah, whatever is prime. I mean, he did keep her alive for four days. It just it just seems a little fishy to me. Yeah, but it's also very. It makes for quite a story. Yeah. So all right. <laughs> Moving on. So his second category of murders started in November 1970. Gaskins called these his quote personal victims or his quote serious murders personal victims or people he knew laughed at him owed him money stolen from him or mocked him and the first of these murders would be his niece janice kirby who was 15 and her friend patricia also brooke who was 17 also brooke that's a cool that's, that's quite a last name so this is pretty gruesome so the girls had been out drinking at 15 and 17 and called for a ride and Gaskins took the opportunity but he drove the girls to his house and also read an abandoned house but you know who knows clashing uh, uh, battling banjos or whatever they say and Gaskins showed Patty his penis and she tried to run away well, I mean, he was only five foot four, so well, I mean, I'd probably she's run fucking... away too, knowing what that looks like. I don't know. I hear a lot of little people have big old wieners. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Different show. Different show. Anywho, she tried to run away. Got that. Gaskins called her and ordered her to sit down. He then sodomized unconscious Janice, but when she woke up, she tried to fight him. Patty hit Gaskins over the head with a lamp and the girls fled. Gaskins chased after the girls in his car and caught them. When they got back to the house, he told the girls to remove their clothes and Janice tried to escape again. It runs with the family, I guess. But this time he stopped her by hitting her, knocking her unconscious. He knocked Patty out with his gun and then handcuffed the two girls. He raped them, mutilated their bodies, and drowned them in a septic tank. Hmm. And then eventually, I believe, buried them. Police eventually questioned Gaskins about the girls' disappearances because they were told, like, they found out that um, they were seen getting into his car. Um, but Gaskins told them that he saw them get into a car full of boys. So the case went cold. Hmm. A month later, Gaskins sought out a new victim in 13-year-old Peggy Cotino, who's the daughter of State Senator James Cotino. After raping Cotino, he strangled and beat her. He left her body in the woods in Sumter, South Carolina. The police pinned this murder on William Pierce, who I saw was another local serial killer, but another source told me that he was just a little truck driver. Get your story straight, people. I need to do research and do my show. It's it's really interesting because, um, and obviously we've said before, like the books and stuff. No matter where the stories came from, 
books are probably more reliable. And <laughs> yeah, the books. <laughs> I don't know. Um, like the books that you have, mm. um, which I, it sounds like you have quite a few. You'll <laughs> um, find out. Yeah, right. Um, have a lot of information in them. Mm. So you tend to research with books, and I tend to research with the internet, which, you know, the internet can be reliable. However, there. I said, cut to the chase. Did you just not find anything? No, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, I mean, and I, I looked in multiple booked at multiple different sites and about this murder or a, about a, about the whole case mm. and 95% of the information that you've talked about so far I did not know so this is like new to me is that why you're not talking as much <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm legitimately listening to you tell the story because uh, I did not see or read a lot of this information so i have crazy to me because we've never come across this case like a case like this before where Mm -hmm. where i didn't find me but maybe 10 percent of what you found Hmm. like it's it's a lot different weird yeah so how do you know i'm not making up the entire thing I mean, I'm gonna call you Pee Wee from now on. Because I'm not a fucking psychopath. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, this information was in like three different books, so yeah. go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying I believe you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just JK, I find love it you. interesting. <laughs> interesting that like a lot of this is not information that oh, is on the internet. On the internet, hmm. and like obviously everything on the internet is true everything so maybe it is a lie because it's not on the internet <laughs> i mean it's like kind of like a white lie it's not there so it doesn't exist <laughs> moving on okay, moving on so i could technically tell you little tidbits where i'm like oh it could be this or it could be this i could just tell you one thing and you believe me i wouldn't have to explain that there's two different <laughs> things <laughs> god damn it <laughs> i'm gonna save myself a lot of time uh so anywho the police pinned the murder of Peggy Catino on William Pierce, who may have been another serial killer or a truck driver, like I said. It was two different scenarios and two different sources. Pierce denied murdering Catino, but falsely confessed after the sheriff working on the case beat and tortured him because he wanted the case to be solved ASAP. Later, Gaskins would reveal he did this one for publicity. But, like, he wasn't, like, named as the person, so what publicity would he be receiving? Soon after this murder, guess what Gaskins does? He escapes. No, he gets That's married! Oh. <laughs> he's not in jail. He can't escape if he's not in jail. He can escape from anything. <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> jail. Reform school. <laughs> So Gaskins gets married for a fifth time. I do not know this person's name, but they have a son together named Donald Lee Gaskins. So after his son was born, his next serious kill was Martha Dix. Martha was a drug addict who frequented the garage where Gaskins worked. 
On March 29th, 1972, Martha upset Gaskins when she joked that the two were lovers and that she was carrying his baby and that she was going to name the baby Pee Wee Dix. <laughs> Funny joke, Martha. And also, I believe that she was a transgender woman, so that also kind of confused people. This made him mad. Peewee dicks. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) this funny joke made him mad. So he invited her to his house and offered her $5 and a bottle of pills for oral sex. Once there, Gaskins beat and handcuffed her and forced her to swallow the bottle of pills and a large amount of liquor. She died of purposeful drug overdose. He then dumped her body in a drainage ditch. And this is the reason why he killed her. Quote, I didn't kill her for no reason besides her lying mouth. End quote. A.K.A. He cannot take a joke. No. He's, he's not a funny person. Peewee dicks. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, by the sounds of Patricia also broke. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's anything like his father, that would have been a good name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Maybe Martha knew something we didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, moving on. <laughs> Two other people that he murdered were Eddie Brown and his wife, Birdie, who he shot. Eddie was a gun runner who Gaskins bought guns from. Gaskins got nervous that his guns were stolen, because that's what Eddie Brown wound up telling him, and that they were stolen from the military and the FBI would be looking for them. So he shot them, because he didn't want it to come back to him. Next murder. I guess this was, this might have been, I don't remember when this was. I feel like I'm in chronological order on this one. Um, Jackie Freeman, who was 14, was the other coastal kill that he remembered but it was also later stated that um, Gaskins would not put her in the coastal kill category but wouldn't put her in the serious kill category just because she was nice to him so she was 14 Gaskins raped, tortured, and eventually ate a piece of her calf muscle after keeping her alive for two days After Freeman's murder, Gaskins bought a used hearse and put a sign on it that read, We haul anything, living or dead. And it was also stated that he would talk to his friends, whoever these friends are. When they asked him why he bought a hearse, he would actually say, Because I killed so many people, I need to bring them to a cemetery with this hearse and they were just like ha 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 that's so funny Donald Peewee I mean right like at this point <laughs> does nobody know the things that he's done and no. like know that he was in prison or anything like that like anybody that's around him to know that like joking about killing people <laughs> is actually like, like knowing that he's been in jail however many times like right even if they don't know he murdered anybody like you're a criminal I wouldn't I wouldn't believe your jokes <laughs> well he doesn't think jokes are funny so he's got very little sense of humor apparently so 
Anywho, <laughs> moving on. He comes into contact with eight-month pregnant Doreen Dempsey, who was 23, and her daughter Robin, who was two. Doreen was leaving town with her daughter and decided to take a ride to the bus station by Gaskins, who was, guess what, her friend. Gaskins took her to a wooded area and demanded sex from her. Like, I don't even want to read this one. Doreen agreed, but changed her mind when Gaskins started to undress and grope Robin. He killed Doreen with a hammer and then brutally raped, sodomized, and strangled Robin to death. Like, when I started reading this, I literally read something else that I'm not going to say, just because I don't want to throw up. But I read it and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, it... Yes. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but... I don't want to say it. I don't think so. I mean, I I saw this this story obviously, but it was a what I saw was a little different, but like nothing that I would imagine is. I mean, it's just something that he said. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Disgusting. Yeah. Anywho. Moving on. I need a disclaimer on myself for this episode. In 1974, Gaskins murdered Johnny Sellers, who was a car thief who owed him $1,000, and his girlfriend, Jesse Ruth Judy. What a name. I also found out that Jesse Ruth Judy had a husband who was not Johnny Sellers. He grew tired of Sellers' excuses for not paying him. Gaskin lured him into the woods and shot him with a rifle. Then he stabbed Jesse to death. Gaskins raped both of their dead bodies. So now we got necrophilia in the mix. So, there is zero MO here. Yeah, not at all. Everybody is different. It's a different reason. It's for no reason whatsoever at this point. He literally just liked to murder people. It's exactly what it was. It didn't didn't matter how or Mm -hmm. why just because literally because he needed to feed his pain, pain. His told him to. i made it you more than i made it sarah for last week <laughs> <laughs> sorry yes guys this was my idea sorry <laughs> sorry about it so next we have horace jones who was another car thief and a con man jones attempted to start a relationship with gaskin's then wife He would blatantly hit on her in front of Gaskins and was starting to piss him off. He lured Jones into the woods and shot him with a rifle. Gaskins took $200 from Jones' wallet and buried his body. I wish that I had put what he said in this part about this one. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I... I, Horace Jones was no, absolutely nowhere in anything I read. Really? No. Nope. Alright, well, you need to start um, reading books, honey. This whole one was <laughs> was a mystery to me. Yeah, I'm gonna, at some point... Okay, so this is what I do, ready? Get some books. You don't even have... I don't even buy books anymore, dude. I have a three-month trial. This is not a paid advertisement. I have a three... Free... Three... Free months... A free... Three-month... Free trial... I have a three-month free trial of Amazon <laughs> of Amazon Kindle Unlimited, which is essentially like a library. So you essentially rent books, and 
when you're done reading them, you return them. Some books are free, some books you have to pay for, but I always get the free ones. So, so what maybe after three months, Can then you, you have to pay for months? the subscription. I don't know if I'm going to yet or not, but it's better than buying books if you ask me. What is it called? Amazon Kindle Unlimited. Interesting. Yeah. But then we'll get the same information if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> you said you had a three-month free trial? Yeah. Why? Um, I only see 30-day free. Well, I'm on, like, it ends in September, so I'm already, this was, like, a month and a half ago when I started doing it. Um, I mean, try it out. I wish I had a Kindle. I'm going way off. I don't have a Kindle, dude. I do it on my computer. I know. I'm just saying I wish I had a Kindle. Oh. Like, I, I legitimately want one. I read a lot. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Kindle one. Unlimited would be good for you, then. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, Amazon you trying to sponsor me or what bro (laughs) okay I found the quote okay so in his autobiography he said of this event quote that pissed me off the way he went about doing it I mean if he had come straight to me like a man and asked to make a deal with me for my wife I would have probably have given her to him for a night or a week or to keep if the offer was good enough end quote that's disturbing. Yeah. So if he had asked for his wife and to do things with his wife, he would have been like, okay. But because he didn't ask, he murdered him? Right. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> Stolen <fuck>? property. <laughs> he fucking steals shit all the time. Like, what? So, moving on. Later that year, wife number five left. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> It's like, well, damn, honey, I wanted a, you know, night with Forrest Jones, and you killed him. Mm-hmm. Alright, so, getting into the year 1975, which would be his busiest, and what he called his killingest year of his career. Gaskin started out 1975 by killing a group of hippies, one man and two women. They were from Oregon, and their car had broken down near Georgetown, South Carolina. He found them and offered them a ride to a nearby garage. Instead, he drove them to a swamp where he forced them to have sex with each other and handcuffed them at gunpoint. He then drowned all of them in the swamp. Gaskins asked ex-con Walter Neely. I don't know where this person came from, but he's important. Uh, Yeah, I saw he was just like a colleague of him from one of his jobs. Okay. Oh, you have information for me. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a little a little thing I found. Okay, so <laughs> Walter Neely would help move the broken down van um, and take it somewhere to get repaired, repainted, and resold. And eventually, actually two weeks later, or a few weeks later, Walter Neely and Gaskins would become roommates. So not only yeah, Neely was probably afraid to like not live with them because yeah, yeah you can live with like, me <laughs> right like I know what you're capable of mm-hmm. I'll go along with whatever you want right so not only did Gaskins kill for his own psychopathic purposes he also killed for profit as a contract killer. In February 1975, Gaskins was hired by Suzanne Kipper to kill Silas Yates, 
a farmer and his former her for or her former boyfriend. She paid Gaskins fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars, people. Mm-hmm. Not fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> to kill Yates because she was mad at him for taking back a car, two horses, and other gifts he'd gotten her when they were in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? Like people why are people killing people so willy-nilly around here? You took back my gifts, you're dead. Like she had she could have taken that fifteen hundred dollars and go buy a car, two horses, and other gifts that he to replace the ones he took. <laughs> This is this pe- the people in the story are just not smart. No. Gaskins enlisted the help of Diane Neely, who was Walter's ex-wife, who lured Yates out of the house by telling him she had car troubles, along with John Owens and John Powell, two other people that he enlisted to help. Gaskins abducted Yates and brought him to the woods, where Gaskins stabbed him to death, and Owens and Powell dug a grave. Diane Neely and John Owens were married shortly after. Gaskins would blackmail Diane and Suzanne into having sex with him on a regular basis or else he would turn them both in. Eventually, Diane and Owens split up and Diane started dating Avery Howard, who Gaskins knew from prison. Diane Neely and Avery Howard decided to blackmail Gaskins for $5,000 to keep quiet about Yates' murder. Gaskins then arranged a meeting with them, claiming he would pay them. On April 22, 1975, Diane and Avery arrived to get their money, but were met with two open graves and Gaskins holding a pistol, and he shot them both. So, the next victim is Kim Gelkins, who is 13. Gaskins knew Gelkins from around town and frequently asked her for sex. 13. Frequently asked her for sex. After refusing many times, Gaskins got angry and murdered her. Another random reason. He raped, tortured, and strangled her before hiding her body in the woods. This would be the murder that eventually ended Gaskins' reign of terror. So, we're finally getting to his apprehension. I have I have a little note here that says that there's a lot of clashing information in this part in terms of my sources and my research, so it's a little fuzzy, but I tried to put it together as, as good as possible. So, Diane Neely's younger brother, Dennis Bellamy, who was 25, and their half-brother, Johnny Knight, who was 15, planned to rob Gaskin's car shop. Gaskin's came home to discover his truck had been stolen and his chop shop was cleared out. He found out it was Bellamy and Knight and lured them in the woods. A different source said that he walked in on them breaking in, and then another source says that Bellamy and Knight were going to start a business or start business in an auto theft ring with Gaskin. So I have three different uh, informations here. Mm-hmm. Informations. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I didn't find any 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 of on that. Why? <laughs> only the only thing that I found was that Bellamy and Knight were both half brothers of Diane. Mm-hmm from earlier so yeah i have that on, you didn't hear me in the beginning i said diane neely's younger brother dennis bellamy and their half brother johnny knight <laughs> diane from it's earlier it's <laughs> sorry it's literally like getting, getting to the point where it's it's a lot of information and it's a lot of names and um i suggest in the future we, we 
chop this into two bars. <laughs> These ones, because it is a lot. You're right. It's a lot of names. It's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happening in a very short amount of time. And it's just like, I can't imagine listening to the story, let alone us trying <laughs> to tell you the story. Because. Yeah, but you never it's... know. I could be engaging the listeners with my frothy voice. <laughs> so Gaskin shot the two boys, Bellamy and Knight, and enlisted the help of Walter to bury the bodies. While they were there, Gaskin showed Neely where he had buried his ex-wife, her boyfriend Avery, Johnny Sellers, and his girlfriend Jesse. In October 1975, Kim Gelkin's parents figured out that she had been around Gaskin several times and called the Florence County Sheriff and a deputy to search Gaskin's house. They found some of Kim's some of Kim's clothes in a closet. No evidence of murder, but enough to charge for the de- delinquency of a minor. On November 14th, Gaskins came home to find police stationed outside his house. He fled toward the bus station with plans to go back to Georgia. When he got to the bus station, Gaskins was met by police. He was arrested and un- one of his escape plans failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was arrested and unable to post bond in jail. While Gaskins was in jail awaiting trial, Walter Neely had confessed everything to a local minister who convinced him to go to the police. I wonder if he was just like in confession, like actual confession, (laughs) and was like, "Uh, my friend, like, yeah. Yeah, Anyhow. (laughs) So Neely took authorities to Gaskins Cemetery and pointed out the graves. They found the remains of Johnny Sellers, Jesse Ruth Judy, Avery Howard, Diane Neely, Johnny Knight, Dennis Bellamy, Doreen Dempsey, and her daughter Robin. Both Neely and Gaskins were arrested and charged with eight counts of murder. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I'm not done, people. <laughs> so, the trial began on April 27, 1976. Gaskins attempted to blame the murder of Bellamy solely on Neely, but the jury was not convinced because the evidence was too strong and Gaskins' criminal reputation sure didn't help. On May 28th, Donald Henry Gaskins was found guilty of murder in the first degree for the murder of Dennis Bellamy and was sentenced to death by electric chair. He admitted to the remaining seven murders to avoid additional death penalties. So this is where our brains kind of melted a little bit Yeah, with the whole death penalty thing. (laughs) I had to do more research than I thought. Yeah. Because it was very confusing to me. Yeah. So let me tell you what I have down. In November 1976, the United States Supreme Court ruled the death penalty unconstitutional and capital punishment was overturned. Gaskin's sentence was changed from death to seven consecutive life sentences. So in terms of what I have, his trial, or he was sentenced on May 28th, and then the death penalty was overturned in November 1976. And then you had said that they put a ban in July, which... Um, the ban in seven in May of 72, I... And this is, this is from the Department of Corrections government website. In 1972, Supreme Court declared the death penalty unconstitutional. July 2nd of 76 the Supreme Court then ruled it was still unconstitutional technically but gave each state the right to do what they wanted 
so they they basically put a hold on it while they were trying to decide on what they thought would it, it would if it would be a national ruling or an individual state ruling put a hold on performing executions yes. not not sentencing them but actually performing them and that's where we got confused that's where we got confused because his his sentencing was after the was ban right in the middle of this time frame and then when they decided that each state could do what they wanted to do it took years for South Carolina to decide what was considered constitutional enough for death mm-hmm. and a what murder? they decided right <laughs> what they decided was a murder but it, ha- it it only needed to have one out of 12 aggravating circumstances Whereas, like, other states will need to have a murder with two out of ten aggravating circumstances or all twelve aggravating circumstances. Like, there's, it's murder with something extra, and that depends on the state. So there was a lot of back and forth in the South Carolina side of things until they figured it out. And it was, what the conclusion they came to was... In the in the acts in joint resolution in 1977, and they've reenacted what is currently the law in January of '85. Hmm. So he was pretty much sentenced to death, knowing that it was technically legal to be sentenced to death, but they would well, he was not allowed to actually be executed until there was a resolution and an in a reimposed law which didn't happen until 85. So I have that the death penalty was reinstated in South Carolina in 78. Well it was 77 that was when they finally came to the conclusion that it was still unconstitutional but it was legal within specific Mm. states. So So can you... Technically it was legal again in I guess maybe the end of 77, beginning of 78, something like that. But it wasn't deemed constitutional again until 1985. Hmm. So it's it's very confusing. Yeah. There's a lot of legal things I don't understand, but for this instance... I'm I'm taking that as truth because it is on a government right. website. Right. So, <laughs> so real quick, can you just give me an example of a aggravated circumstance? Yeah. yeah. Can you give me an um, example of an aggravated circumstance? I'm assuming they mean, like rape. Yes, like okay. all the different ways okay. things that happen before murder okay. or like. Yeah, because like gotcha. you can't be sentenced to death for rape, but if you murder, it, like it has to be murder with something else horrible attached to it. Is okay. like how gotcha. I viewed it. Gotcha. And like that's how the states are different. Okay. In what they decide is bad enough, along with murder. I don't know, but he did everything that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's all I know. <laughs> Yeah. All right. 
So that's 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 that. So eventually he was able to be executed because he was it was overturned officially mm-hmm. and he fit the criteria. I mean he probably had all fucking twelve I'm sure I'm aggravated sure. circumstances. Yes. Yes. So anywho, let's move on, try to speed this up a little bit. On April 25th, 1977, Gaskins confessed to every murder he was accused of and two others no one knew about. During the same month, the trial for Silas Yates' murder was taking place in Newberry, South Carolina. Suzanne Kipper, John Owens, John Powell, and Gaskins were all sentenced to life. So another life sentence. Owens and Powell were out of prison in five years, which I don't understand, and Kipper was released on parole in 2007. I literally have my notes. I'm so confused. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's confusing. Yeah. And then I have that the death penalty was reinstated in South Carolina in 1978. But aggravated circumstances, I guess. <laughs> At this point, Gaskins is in jail. But he commits one final murder while in jail. Why not, right? Why not? Why the hell not? So, Rudolph Tyner was a fellow inmate on death row for murdering Bill and Myrtle Moon during a robbery of their store in Myrtle's Inlet, South Carolina, which I've also been to. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the store, but Myrtle's Inlet, South Carolina. Tony Simo, who was the Moon's son, had heard about Gaskins and how he did contract killings and contacted him in jail. Simo hired Gaskins to kill Tyner for murdering his parents. On September 2nd, 1982, after several failed attempts to poison Tyner, Gaskins used C4 explosives that he smuggled in his shoe and blew up Tyner with a radio. Gaskins told Tyner they could use the radio to talk to each other between cells. When Tyner held the radio to his ear, Gaskins detonated the bomb. Gaskins stated that the last thing Tyner heard over the radio was the sound of his laughter. And that's where he got the meanest man in America nickname. Because that's pretty mean. Yeah. So during the investigation of Tyner's murder, authorities found recorded tapes of Gaskin's conversations with Simo. I didn't let my computer read that for me. Gaskin's was sent back to trial for the murder of Rudolph Tyner and was finally, finally sentenced to death by electric chair. In June... Did you say all? No, I said, hmm. Oh, they said, aww. (laughs) That's so sad. In June 1983, Tony Simo was sentenced to three concurrent terms of eight years for conspiracy to commit murder, eight years for concealing information from authorities, and five years for threatening to kill by means of explosives. Simo struck a plea deal and only wound up serving two years. The outcome of this shit show of a murder parade... Simo died of prescription drug overdose on June 10, 2001. Tyner's mother sued the state of South Carolina for failing to protect her son while he was in prison. Gaskins attempted to avoid his execution by slitting his wrists just hours before he was supposed to be executed. He was stitched up and stitched up and Donald Henry, aka Pee Wee Gaskins, was executed on September 6, 1991 via electric chair at 1.10 a.m. That's a really weird time. Yeah. I mean, when it's your time, it's your time. I wonder if they, like, get to pick it. Or if they just say, oh, we happen to have an open spot. We have an opening at 110. Yeah. Uh, Gaskins was the only person to die by death penalty in the state in 1991. 
So it's not like they had a lot of business in the electric mm-hmm. chair. But he was also he was also the he was the fourth person to die by electric chair after the yes. um, death penalty was reinstated. Mm-hmm. So I also read this is even weirder in another one of my other books that it was actually 105, which I feel like is even weirder. I guess I had that originally too. And then I found two more that said 110. Okay. A 105 would be weird. Yeah. It's all weird. <laughs> it's all the whole story is weird. Like I said, a shit show of a murder parade. That's what I like. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that. That's okay. that could be my like tagline. <laughs> the total numbers the total number of victims that Gaskins murdered is unknown because the bodies of the people he claimed to have murdered were never found. Yeah, so again, I like did, what you said earlier. Yeah, I did see something that said that there was somewhere where he he told police to go and look, but there was nothing there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, Gaskin's daughter Shirley had his body cremated and his ashes scattered, so his grave could not be turned into a shrine. Who would turn his his grave into a shrine? There's people murder murderabilia you know and like i mean why would she even scatter his ashes like i would have like flushed them down the toilet he didn't deserve to even have i'd put him in the swamp (laughs) right yeah exactly in the quicksand (laughs) (laughs) so fun not fun fact but um gaskin's last words were quote i'll let my lawyers talk for me i'm ready to go end quote how was he, he ready to care. go? He just tried to kill himself right before his execution. Like he didn't care. He j- that was his final escape plan. <laughs> yeah. Guys, watch this. I'm gonna do it my way. <laughs> watch this, guys. I'm gonna slit my wrist. All right. That's it. That's the end. That's the story. That's the weird. That's the craziest, longest story I think I've ever told. Yes. I, I promise agree. things won't be that long from now on. <laughs> We'll see, I'll probably, you know, I gotta, gotta do my editing, you know? <laughs> Anywho, my works are The Meanest Man in America, The Life and Crimes of Serial Killer Donald Henry Gaskins by Charlie Lark. Donald Gaskins, The Meanest Man in America by Jack Rosewood. The True Story of the Meanest Man in America by Roger Harrington. And The Big Book of Serial Killers, Volume 1 by Jack Rosewood and Rebecca Lowe. <laughs> so mine... And we're really disappointing this week, but as usual, crimemuseum.org, Wikipedia, investigationanddiscovery.com, allthingsinteresting.com, and doc.gov. Not biography.com? There was nothing. Oh my god, it's two weeks yeah. in a row! Yeah. I'm, I'm failing. Yeah, man. Alright, well, make sure... If you're still listening to me talk, <laughs> like and follow Killers and Coffee on Facebook and Twitter. We're now on Apple Podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Amazon. Wrap it up. I only have one thing to say. What? I'll let my lawyers talk for me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I have one thing else to say as well. <laughs> What's up? Come for the coffee. Stay for the crime. Peace out, bitches. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>